Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. The Grinch did not steal Christmas. Here's the millennial with the mic. They want you to say Grace. Grace Curley. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Grace Curley Show. I hope that got you in the Christmas spirit as we we're really getting close here. And I'm thrilled to be here. It is Monday. We have so much to get to. A lot of news broke over the weekend. I wanted to start with a little bit of good news because... Why not, right? People need good news, especially around this time of year. If you missed it, Liz McGill, president of University of Pennsylvania, has backed down. She has resigned. She resigned on Saturday after her disastrous congressional hearing alongside two other presidents of elite universities. And the next person, I think, who all eyes are on, everyone's focused now on Claudine, Bye-bye. Claudine Gay, who is the president of Harvard, Harvard University. Some people now are calling it Hamas University, which I think is nice. It, it fits nice and uh, it looks good on the sweatshirts. It looks it, it makes good merch. Isn't that what we're all about nowadays? What makes good merch? So I wanted to bring this up because over the weekend, the hits just kept on coming for Claudine. You don't hear of that name very often, Claudine. Turns out she might have a Mike Barnacle problem. Now, Jared, this is something that I would like your your take on because we talk a lot about plagiarism on this show. Do you think it's more appropriate to call it a Mike Barnacle problem or a Joe Biden problem? Because I think if I say Mike Barnacle, your and, and how we would be good to ask this to too, your your automatic response is plagiarism because that's especially in the New England area. That's what we know him for. But if you say Joe Biden problem, it could be a whole host of other things. You're like, has Claudine Gabe been sniffing people's hair? No, it's not that kind of Joe Biden problem. Joe Biden has so many problems. So I'm going to stick with it's a barnacle problem. She's been caught allegedly plagiarizing. Now, this is a shock to all of us because I thought that everyone at these liberal institutions, you know, I, I, if, if they have anything there, I thought they had integrity and honesty. And apparently I was wrong about that. Now, I don't think Claudine has a lot to worry about, though, because 500 people from Harvard are backing her. I love this story. Do they also sign an open letter? Are they those 500 people? <laughs> you know what, Jared? I was. That, what's the overlap here? Let's get Adam Galetta. What's the overlap? Oh, should we do a Venn diagram? <laughs> Someone call Kamala Harris. We need <laughs> to do a Venn diagram. No, you know what I love about this, though, Jared? <laughs> now when I read these stories about letters... And people signing on to letters. I, I'm browsing this entire article looking for, are these invisible signatures? Are these real sig- You have to look now because people sign on to things now, you know, calling for the genocide of Jews alongside other things. And they, they sign on to them, but they use some sort of device, some sort of invisible ink where they sign them, but they don't actually sign them. They sign them anonymously. They just make their mark with an X. I've never done that before. I, I've, to be fair, I've never signed an open letter ever in my life. 
as far as I can remember. Um, but if I did sign one, I know I put my John Hancock on there. I know if I'm signing a letter, if I'm going through the trouble, I'm going to write my name. I don't think this letter was anonymous. I think people from Harvard are proud to support Claudine Gay. It says over 500 Harvard faculty members support university president in letter to board after anti-Semitism hearing. Now, if you missed the anti-Semitism hearing last week, um, I'm not going to rehash the sound. You've probably heard it. A lot of my audience has heard it a million times. But it's worth noting that uh, out of these three university presidents, they could not figure out that you're supposed to condemn calling for the genocide of Jews. That was very, very difficult for these very intelligent people to understand. And I was talking with Aaron Chadbourne over the weekend and because it just so happened, Jared, that while this was playing on TV, I saw Lee Stefanik and I saw her questioning them live. And I don't have the sound on my TV in my office. So I just saw, you know, the subtitles. And I texted Aaron because he went to Harvard. He knows Lee Stefanik. And I said, oh, your, your friend Elise is on TV right now. Little did he know when he was texting her that it was going to blow up, that this was going to go viral. And one thing Aaron said to me was, when you're in these congressional hearings, you don't know what's hitting in the moment. You don't know what what's effective. You don't know if something's going to really take off online. And so my question for the audience is, did these presidents think that they were looking good during this? In my mind, I think that Liz McGill and the other presidents thought when they went on their Twitter afterwards, let's face it, everybody does it, that they were going to be celebrated by the masses. And so I'm sure this comes as a huge gut punch because now not only are they apologizing, huge, even more donors are pulling out from these schools. And I think this is pretty shocking to to the presidents. Now, I will add this in. The reason I love this story about how over 500 Harvard faculty members are supporting Claudine Gay, it's like. Yeah, this is the least shocking part of this whole thing. That other faculty members at Harvard are also anti-Semitic. Yet we, I could have, I could have guessed that. I could have put that together. It's just great that the school is double, really now it's tripling down on the fact that this is the kind of culture that they want to promote. They're like, oh, no, no, no. Oh, you think that you think that her hearing was bad? How about the fact that we all support it and we all think it's great? Keep it up. Keep it up. And I don't even care if any of these people get fired. Like, I'm happy Liz McGill resigned, whatever. But I'm not under the impression this is going to change the issue that we not only have in these elite universities, but across this country with this progressive movement. But what I prefer more is, like, keep keep the presidents in. You know why, Jared? Because they're representative of the schools. You want someone at the top who represents your moral compass, your values, your motto, your mission statement. And these women do just that. Why have them resign when they clearly are promoting the values of the institutions that they're representing? It's dishonest to have them resign when they're so perfect for the job. They are so perfect for the job. What I prefer is keep all these people in and just let all of the donors Take their money out. I heard the other day that there was a donor who pulled out a $100 million donation to Penn. It's like an Elizabeth Warren course. Yeah, exactly. So my whole thing is keep resigning. I, either way, it's n- nothing's changing here. 
But I almost think it's it's doing these schools a disservice to have these these presidents resign when they when they really are the perfect representation of the schools. Now, that's not our only topic today. We will go back to this. We'll get into the plagiarism aspect. Huge shout out to Christopher Rufo, who does such a great job. He's an actual investigative journalist, and he's the one who was looking back on um, this, what a dissertation, I don't know what it's what it even was, is from 1997. Claudine Gay wrote it, and apparently she lifted a couple paragraphs, which is nothing new um, for for all of these brilliant people. Plagiarism seems to be kind of just par for the course. But the other topic that I want to get into, so on Friday I was driving home, Howie was in the last hour playing sound cuts from Hunter Biden's interview with, I almost said Toby, it's Moby, right? Moby. And I was laughing my you-know-what off. I was like, are are these sound cuts real? What is this? Turns out he does this interview, and I thought it was an old interview, because I don't know why he, he chose to be interviewed by Moby. That's lost on me. But no, it's a fresh interview where this dude, I'm not even joking you, as the world's smallest violin, the amount of victims in the Democrat Party is baffling to me. Like, all of these people want to cry. Not only does Hunter Biden want to cry poor, he wants to cry victim. So now he's trying to blame Republicans. He's trying to blame Elon Musk. He's trying to blame all these people for attacking him. Now, Jared, I'm going to need your help here. Why, oh, why? And I know people go on random podcasts all the time. But what was the Moby of it all? The last time I heard about Moby, I'll tell you when. This is gonna, I'm going to age myself here. My reference, when I think of Moby, I think of the Eminem lyric where he's insulting Moby because they had a beef that must have been in the early 2000s, maybe even late 90s. He's a singer. Techno? Yeah. Techno would. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Right. I. I, Techno artiste. I did not know he was relevant. I did not know he was doing some sort of political podcast. And I did not know he was friends with Hunter Biden. Right? Well, I mean, they must have met in, in Los Angeles. I'm sure they travel the same art circles. Oh, right, right, right. He's artsy. Okay, now it's yeah. making sense. Yeah, So I, I had no idea Moby had a podcast, but I guess... Everyone has a podcast. Everyone now. has a podcast, but and this is not a knock on anybody, but it, celebrities, when they sort of fall out of the limelight, usually end up either doing a podcast or a cooking show. And that's sort of how they try to stay relevant. Yeah. So Moby is doing a podcast. Well, this is a big get. With, uh, yeah, this is. <laughs> this this put him on the map for me. I was not looking at Moby's podcast until now. Yeah. And his co-host, Lindsay. I mean, they they obviously, they, you know, they enabled Hunter's victimization in this one. And everything just, it all fed off of each other. I listened to it to grab some cuts. And oh, my God. Yeah, he's really. He has not learned his lesson about trying to narrate his life Hunter S. Thompson style. Well, you know what I would like to throw out there? And you never know when Elon Musk is listening. He's like Santa Claus. He could be listening right now. So we have the smartest man Joe Biden knows is Hunter Biden. And in this podcast, he decides to call out Elon Musk. And he calls him the dumbest smart person the world has ever known. So just thinking here from a programming standpoint, why don't we have... We, we keep talking about how these debates aren't gaining any traction. Nobody's watching these debates. Why don't we have a, a debate people would actually tune into? Elon Musk, 
who Hunter describes as the dumbest smart person the world has ever known versus the smartest person that Joe Biden has ever known. It's a battle of wits. You could take your bets on who's going to come out on top. Hunter Biden, the man who has sniffed or smoked more Parmesan cheese than anyone ever in existence, and Elon Musk. I probably smoked more Parmesan cheese than anyone. It's hard, you know, if you you really did come up with a list of each of their accomplishments, like if you put their resume side by side, I don't know. You've got really, you've got two heavy hitters here. It's it's Renaissance man versus Renaissance man. It is. It is. It's, it's the Ali versus Frazier of Renaissance. I was looking today to Actually, see. Actually, probably not. <laughs> I was looking today to see if Musk commented back to this because he loves to get in to the mudslinging with people. And I didn't see anything. But I would love for him to take down Hunter Biden. Can you imagine Hunter Biden yeah, insulting a- Elon Musk, calling Elon Musk dumb? That takes cojones that really does especially in the position that hunter biden is in i don't know if i'd be going after elon musk right now yeah it's probably more fitting to call this the tyson versus finks of uh (laughs) renaissance men jared he's also going after elon musk as a person he's like he doesn't want he didn't take over twitter to to help with the first amendment he's a are you really in a position to be lecturing people on their moral compass right now, bro. I don't think Musk wants to take advice from you on what's right versus what's wrong. I don't think anybody wants to take advice from you on that front. I mean, has he even slept with his brother's widow? Come on! Has he pulled out $700,000 in cash from an ATM in one year? Has he paid various women thousands of dollars for various things? Where does he get off giving anyone any tips? I don't know. I'm not going to make any judgment calls until Elon Musk is naked in a scarf with a gun. So, I, <laughs> hey, I he had a really he had a jock strap on. Okay, let's let's. My apologies. I hate to misrepresent. Yeah, I don't want any law. I don't. Here. He's very litigious right, <laughs> right now, Jared. I don't want him coming after us. We'll be right back. We'll talk more. But you know, we were just discussing how we're heading into the holiday season. It can get pretty stressful. I saw it this weekend on the road. People are already. You can just feel the tension. Everyone's trying to get their Christmas gifts checked off. Trying to get their decorations up, and then you kind of lose some of the. Christmas spirit and you can forget what it's all about but there's a really great place that you can go that's the Nasa Beach Inn they just opened reservations for winter getaways it's a great price and it's somewhere that you can hang out you can really soak in this beautiful time of year and there's so many different ways to relax there Jared yeah the Nasa Beach Inn is the place to go in winter on the Cape because everybody loves winter on the Cape it's calm it's relaxed but the Nasa Beach Inn is literally steps from the beach you can walk along the beach and you can just listen to the waves and the in the privacy and the tranquility that's there Uh, they have fire pits so you can just sit outside you can drink your coffee in the morning you can watch the sunrise you can just sit out there at night be cozy by the fire pits now is a great time of year to go because I went in December and they had the Christmas trees out couple of years ago so the ambiance is really there for your holiday season but anytime during the winter the Nauset Beach Inn is a getaway that you're going to love you can see stars a lot of people in the city can't do that uh the, the peacefulness there is is beyond anything you can imagine it's a great place to go and recharge and it, really at these rates 
There's no reason not to. Yeah, right now you can stay at the Nasa Beach Inn for under $200 this winter. So Jared's right. You cannot beat this price, especially on Cape Cod. Go to NossetBeachInn.com to book your winter getaway. That's NossetBeachInn.com. We'll be right back. The Grace Curley Show will be right back. This is The Grace Curley Show. I'm so torn today, which is nothing new, because I'm always trying to decide which story to go with first. And oftentimes they're all just really, really intriguing to me. And so... Not only do we have Claudine Gay in the news, we have Dr. Fauci in the news, we have Hunter Biden in the news, we have Moby in the news. What's a girl to do, Jared? My cup runneth over. And by the way, 508 wrote, Claudine, because I mentioned the name Claudine, you don't hear that a lot. Claudine makes me think of the song Jolene. I kid you not on my way into work today, singing that the whole time. Claudine, 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 Claudine. You just, it, it's a unique name. Now, Claudine is supposedly going to be the next person, some people think, to bite the dust as far as, you know, resigning from Harvard. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. And 508 also wrote, now they're saying the president of Penn, Liz McGill, will no longer be president, but will still be employed with the university. Yeah, she's going to keep her tenure, I think. I don't think I don't think they're trying to totally kick her out. Um, and one thing that I wanted to add is, into this is we were just discussing Claudine and if people missed it SNL because I know a lot of my audience you I'm guys I'm sure people missed it Jared these are people who TiVo SNL every just did you use the word TiVo anymore that also might be passe my listeners there's a big crossover section that are tuning into SNL every week and listening to the Grace Curley show every weekday from 12 to 3. But if you missed it, if you happen to miss it, the cold open. So SNL sees this clip of Elise Stefanik, Representative Elise Stefanik, grilling these presidents from Harvard, UPenn, and MIT. And their takeaway Three presidents of prestigious universities not being able to condemn anti-Semitism. Their takeaway is to make fun of Elise Stefanik. And what some people are calling the least, I, I feel like Trump right now, some people are saying it was the least funny cold open of all time. And I know that's stiff competition because I've seen a lot of these cold opens over the years and... That's tough to do. With that being said, though, I've never seen a cold open on SNL, and we'll play it for you when we come back and we have more time. I have never seen a cold open where the live audience laughed so little. Like, this audience was giving nothing. Because it wasn't funny. And that's, that's I heard someone say this the other day, that I think it's like an Andy Warhol quote or something. Comedy or art is getting away with it. Like, you can be a little cutting edge, and if it's funny, that trumps all. If it's funny, then you got us. And, and maybe you watch it after and go, I can't believe I was laughing at that. I shouldn't have laughed. Here's the problem with SNL. They're not cutting edge. They are so desperate to please the Claudine Gays of the world, the Liz McGills of the world, the uh, pro-Palestinian protesters at these universities. 
that they can't even do the one thing they're supposed to do. They can't even be funny. So they tried to make fun of Elise Stefanik in that whole situation, and it blew up in their faces. 844-500-4242. One other thing. Turns out Moby and Hunter knew each other from getting clean. I think they knew each other from a rehab or something like that. So they're old friends. We'll get into those sound cuts when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. So last week, we talked a lot about how these three presidents from these elite universities that have become hotbeds for anti-Semitism, and I shouldn't say have become hotbeds. I think they were always hotbeds. It's just now it's it's more out in the open. Um, they were being questioned by Elise Stefanik. And during this grilling, it wasn't even a grilling. It was such an easy question. It was... Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate your school's terms for harassment, hate speech, however you want to, you know, it was a pretty simple yes or no, especially considering all these schools. Like if you call someone fat or something like that, which I'm not suggesting is a nice thing to do, but you could be in a lot of trouble. They consider being fat phobic or calling someone the wrong pronouns that all they can chalk that up to harassment pretty quick. They, they don't need to mull that over for a long time. But all of these presidents, including Claudine Gay from Harvard, really struggled. They were struggling to decide what to say. And in fact, they were so desperate. Struggling. They found themselves in such a desperate situation trying to trying to understand the question that Liz McGill, during her apology video, actually Reference the Constitution, which she suddenly became a big fan of after um, promoting anti-Semitism after her school has been such uh, such a hotbed for this. And the reason I bring this up is because the response from the media and from Hollywood has been exactly what you'd expect. So this is from The New York Times. As fury erupts over campus anti-Semitism, conservatives... What do you think we did, Jared, conservatives? Take your best shot. Oh, um, I'm going to go with seized. Ding, ding, yes. ding. Conservatives. I, I know. I was tempted. It's Pounce would have worked nicely. I'm not going to lie to you, but it was seized. It says conservatives seize the moment. It's never the fact that you have people who are okay with their student body calling for the genocide of Jews. That can't be the story, right? The story has to be how we respond to it. The story has to be that we're calling it out. And that doesn't work both ways. Like if Republicans get involved in some sort of scandal or some sort of problem, the story isn't that Democrats are pouncing on the scandal. The story is the scandal. It's just one other double standard that I think should be pointed out here. And so the reason I bring this up is because SNL did the same thing. They didn't want to talk about campus anti-Semitism or the response from these presidents at the congressional hearing. Rather, they wanted to make fun of Elise Stefanik because apparently in the eyes of the writers at SNL, that was the humorous part of this hearing. And so let's play a couple of these. This is from the cold open. And if you're not familiar with SNL, that's usually at the end of that. That's when they'll say live from New York. It's Saturday night. 
I've never watched a cold open that had so few laughs in it from the audience. Um, Let's start with cut three, please. We're joined today by the heads of three of our most esteemed universities, the president of MIT, Sally Kornbluth. I've never been more afraid to be anywhere. (laughs) The president of UPenn, Elizabeth McGill. Can I just resign now? (laughs) Not yet. And the president of Harvard, Dr. Claudine Gay. Thank you. Dr. Gay, would you like to do a quick joke about your name to get it out of the way? I would. Dr. Gay sounds like a Molly dealer on Fire Island. Thank you. I know that I'm not the target audience, but I still don't get the humor at all. No, I mean, right out of the gate, you're going to basically make a somewhat tasteless gay joke. Yeah. This is a conservative radio show, Jared, and, you know, I think we're pretty progressive in the way we handle these conversations, but I would say that that is offensive, and I'm not a snowflake, Absolutely, but I don't really see what's funny about that. So let's go to the next part. This is cut four. This is when they start making fun of Elise Stefanik. Now, I'll turn it over to mega superstar Elise Stefanik from New York, who's been pacing the hallways listening to Lose Yourself by Eminem. (laughs) Miss Stefanik. Thank you, chairwoman. Now, I'm going to start screaming questions at these women like I'm Billy Eichner. Anti-Semitism, yay or nay? I'm sorry, what? Yes or no is calling for the genocide of Jews against the Code of Conduct for Harvard. Well, it depends on the context. (gasps) What? (laughs) That can't be your answer, you pen lady. Same question, yes or no. Well, we are serious about stopping all forms of hatred, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia. The second one. I just want to point out that Elise Stefanik, I watched the back and forth and I did not find her to be. And I know I know that when you do comedy, you, you make people you exaggerate a little bit to make people funnier. But they're really trying to make her out like she was unhinged or like she was shrill. I didn't find her. To, this was she very much was just the person relaying the questions. They did all the damage themselves. I can't really get through the rest of this, to be honest. It was not funny. Um, and I saw on Twitter the replies it was getting. People were just roasting Saturday Night Live. I don't think this is going to help them with their viewership which they they can't afford to lose more viewers, but I think they might just have done that. Um, All right, Jared, I do want to talk about the plagiarism aspects of this. Like I said, Claudine Gay is now having a Mike Barnacle-style problem. Christopher Rufo pointed out, first, this is from her dissertation from 1997, first Gay lifts an entire paragraph nearly verbatim from a paper by Lawrence Bobo and Frank Gilliams while passing it off as her own... um, this is direct violation of Harvard's policy. He also obtained documentation demonstrating that Harvard President Claudine Gay plagiarized multiple sections of her PhD thesis, violating Harvard's policies on academic integrity. So that's just an update for you. So bad week for Claudine Gay. I don't know, though, if that means she's going to resign. And it actually does bring us to our poll question. 
which is brought to you by J.J. Manning Auctioneers. Whether residential, commercial, or land, J.J. Manning can get your property sold now. To learn more on how to get your property sold quickly and contingency-free, contact Charlie Gill at 800-521-0111 or go to jjmanning.com. With over 16,000 sales and satisfied clients, you can be the next one. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurleyshow.com, is do you think Claudine Gay will resign? No. So 500 uh, faculty members at Harvard have signed a letter showing their support. I think that Claudine Gay should stick it out because I think within a couple of hours that this this will now turn into she's the victim of Republicans pouncing and seizing and weaponizing and she will be a hero. It doesn't take long, you know, especially with the left. The arc from villain to hero happens very quickly. So and it goes hero. No, I'm sorry. It goes villain and then you get to victim and then you ascend to hero. So I think she'll be okay. 62% 62% of the audience agrees with you. They think she will not resign. I think what Liz McGill, and, and I actually was listening to The Morning Wire uh, on my way in today. I didn't realize this at the time, but Liz McGill was already under a lot of heat, which makes it even more astounding that she didn't take this opportunity to, at the very least, pretend that she's against anti-Semitism because they had been hosting some sort of free Palestine uh, group that had ties to um, an organization that has allegedly supported terrorism. And people at uh, the University of Pennsylvania donors were already very upset with Liz McGill. This is way this is not way before October 7th, but prior to the slaughtering of Israelis on October 7th. So she was already in hot water and to know that and know that she still delivered this jaw-droppingly horrible performance at the congressional hearing say what you want about her but she she sticks to her guns even if it's a horrible horrible decision she did not um she did not see the writing on the wall and then by the time she apologized i think a lot of these donors and the governor of Pennsylvania, Josh Shapiro, I think a lot of people had just had enough. 844-500-4242. Jared, I know I had you pull all that SNL. Do you blame me for not going with it any further? No, it's fine. I mean, we can... I, I There is one clip I think we should play. Okay, good. Which I think really this unironically... They said this unironically and it unmasks basically everything and it is just all of it. So this was the end of the cold open. Thank you. That's all the time we have. This was all very useless. Not for me. For me, it was very useful. I had a great time. I'm the Hanukkah gift no one wanted. (laughs) So let's compound this anti-Semitism by having an anti-Semitic joke at the end. Yeah. Of your, like, I think that encapsulates all of this. Like, it's not just enough that there was anti-Semitism from these people. The person pointing it out has to become the bad person. And then they make a Jewish joke at the end of it. Like, I mean, could you could not script a dumber response. Yeah. And that yeah. perfectly, I mean, I mean, that perfectly unironically encapsulates that entire stupid segment.
Yeah. And the fact that they even say, oh, this was all pointless. It's not pointless. I, I don't think it's pointless for people to know, especially people who are sending their kids to these schools. It's not pointless to know where the president stand on it. It's not pointless to know that so many people in our country, especially in these liberal enclaves, are anti-Semitic and or at least are, you know, um, okay with other people being anti-semitic you know it's it's a lot of it i think is just people being uh fine keeping quiet or just nodding along and letting it go the way it's going but both of those things i think parents and donors have a right to know i don't think it's pointless yeah it wasn't pointless for jewish families who were thinking of sending their kids to these schools and all of a sudden find out oh whoa whoa you're not going there. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. No, that was not pointless. Right. When we come back, I want to play more of the Hunter Biden. Do you think we've done enough now with the SNL, Jared? Are you giving? Yeah, me... I, I think we're good. I just, I really can't take it. I can't imagine that the craziest part to me, and if you know someone out there, please call in. But the craziest part to me is that there are people who are watching that for fun and because they actually think it's amusing. Yeah, that to me blows my mind. It's the th- Therapy group, the same people that watch Colbert, the Lib Therapy When Janet Yellen goes yeah. on Stephen Colbert, it's it's hard to sit through. And I I just, these are, the, remember when SNL, and I'm I'm not nearly old enough to remember when it was actually funny. Like, I'm, I'm 31, so. But Jared, I have to imagine as an elder statesman in the group, yes. you remember when there were jokes being made and uh, people actually, and, and comedians who were, you know, taking risks and making commentary that actually made you laugh out loud and not just people making political statements that fall flat. Yeah, I don't remember the original not ready for primetime players. I'm not that old, but uh, I remember the Eddie Murphy, Joe Piscopo years. They were, there was some good stuff there, but I think the late 80s to the early 90s, It was unbelievable when you had Chris Farley, Phil Hartman, Dennis Miller, Norm MacDonald. uh, I'm sure there's plenty of other deserving people that I'm missing. Uh, That was those skits were unbelievable. They probably had about an 80 percent hit rate, which is great for a comedy show. What do you think like Chris Farley and Norm MacDonald and a lot of people who have since passed? What do you think their reaction would be watching that? They would be like, wait, is this? I mean, I, I think that when I watch Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Kimmel uh, interviewing Kareem Jean-Pierre and, and basically just doing like advertisements for the Biden White House. But think of those guys who were so funny. And if they were watching it today, they would be like, what is this? Yeah. What, what, what am I watching? I mean, if you think about, you know, Johnny I, and Johnny Carson may have had people from the Nixon White House or the Reagan White House press secretary. I don't know about that. But he had like funny people on like Roddy Dangerfield is a mainstay really good entertaining people. They just knew how to be funny. This is just, again, it's liberal therapy, as uh, Red Steve, Stephen Miller always points out, friend of the show. He always points out it's just therapy for liberals at this point, and that's why it's not funny, and it's not hitting, and it's not poignant. There's no edge. There's no bite. There's nothing to it. But we are going to give you edge and bite and something that has a lot to it, and that's the Hunter Biden sound cuts from his podcast this with Moby. This was legitimately funnier to listen to than yeah. anything Saturday Night Live has done in had more probably energy 20 too. years. Yeah, well, of course it had more energy. 
We'll be right back. We got a lot more to talk about, so don't go anywhere. Uh, in the past couple of years alone, close to 50 satisfied Grace listeners have allowed JJ Manning auctioneers to sell their valuable real estate assets quickly, contingency free, and for the highest price the market will pay. So don't wait because you can be the next one. Since 1976, JJ Manning's project based approach of selling real estate has generated positive results for individuals, families, builders, companies, banks, estates, and more. There are so many benefits to selling your real estate via auction, and a lot of people don't know about it because they consider auctions something for jewelry or vintage cars, and they don't realize that it's a great option for you to get the most money for your real estate. A few reasons why. You set the sale date. You have one consolidated open house, so you don't have people coming in and out of your house multiple times. You know, uh, that was my least favorite part when I was selling my house is that you have to Every single time someone is interested in seeing it, you got to clean the whole place. You got to start all over again. This is one consolidated open house, and the JJ Manning sellers are never left out in the cold, wondering about interest on their property. You get weekly reports providing measured progress, and it creates a sense of teamwork through the auction process. There's no distress. JJ Manning uses their 30 30 marketing plan, 30 days of advertising, and 30 days to close. If you want to find out more, contact Charlie Gill at 800-521-0111, or they have a great website you can go to, jjmanning.com. Again, call Charlie today at 800-521-0111, or go to jjmanning.com and get your real estate sold. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is The Grace Curley Show. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. Welcome back, everyone, to The Grace Curley Show. Happy Monday. I'm so excited to be back, to be on the air, to be chatting with all of you. There's a lot to break down today. I should mention, we also have Dr. Fauci in the news. And if you missed it, last week, Howie was interviewing Dr. And Senator Rand Paul and Rand Paul was just destroying Fauci for so many different reasons. And today Fauci's in the news because right when you think this man cannot get any more narcissistic, he outdoes himself, Jared. He really is the gift that keeps on giving. You think that Fauci is obnoxious because he considers himself to be the science. He also considers himself to be like the religion. He's taking God, God complex, the idea of having a God complex to totally new heights. So we will get into that. Well, not really heights. I set you up for that one, Jared. You did, bit. and I thank you for it. I'm like Johnny Carson. You're my Rodney Dangerfield, okay? Uh, Bill, you're up next on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Bill. Hi, can you hear me okay? Yeah, go ahead. I've heard from a reliable source that Liz McGill landed on her feet and was granted a, a tenured faculty position yeah. after resigning. I don't know if it came after or she already had it, but she we, we talked a little bit about that, Bill. Yeah, she's going to be okay. She's she's resigned, but she's not going to be, you know, uh, in a tough spot because she does have tenure. Okay, I'm sorry. I misinterpreted. I didn't think you mentioned it, but it, it's just I'm just waiting for uh, what's going on with Gay. But how, how, nothing's going to happen to her. We got 500 people backing her up unless all 500 get get canned as well. That's not going to happen. Yeah. And you know what, Bill, I, I kind of 
I hate to repeat this, but I've changed my mind on this a little bit. Like, I don't think these people should resign because the president of a university should be representing how the university feels. And it's clear from what I've been seeing on these college campuses that anti-Semitism rules the day at Harvard, at Penn, at MIT. I mean, they're they're chasing down Jewish students and, and basically like bullying them as they're having these protests. So why should someone who perfectly represents what the schools stand for, why should they resign? It seems to me like it only it only makes sense. And I agree with you. I don't think that Claudine Gay is going to resign. Also because Bill Ackman, who's been very, very critical of Harvard, he pointed out that he had a source who told him she was only she was a DEI hire and she was only hired because she checked all the boxes that they they needed. And I think that since he said that and attacked her in that way, that he's probably solidified her spot that she's not going anywhere. We'll be right back. We'll talk more. We'll play the Hunter Biden sound cuts and we'll get to Dr. Fauci too. Don't go anywhere.